So welcome back to another edition of Changing the Game podcast. My name is Jeffrey Brown from SonicsRising.com and Storm Chasers. And I am Colin Davenport, now of Today'sFastBreak.com. I just wanted to apologize to everyone for being gone for two weeks. I know we've missed a lot, and that's what we're here to catch up on. We have been in the process of finding a host website for this podcast, and we have done that. I am now with Today's Fast Break, as I said, and they will be the host website. On top of that, it will be shared far and wide. You will be able to find it on SonicsRising.com and hopefully a couple other outlets. We're still working on that. While we were in negotiations for that, we had to take a break from recording, so we're sorry about that and we're here and we're back and we are ready to fill you in with all the news on the storm and the WNBA and we're gonna start off by talking about the game down in Phoenix which was really exciting the storm came back won 81 to 80 and off of a Jewel Lloyd bank shot with under three seconds to go it was just an incredible game by Jewel she ended up leading the way with a career high with 30 points on 12 of 20 shooting including three for five out of the three-point range she's really improving from downtown this year and she also had six rebounds in that game Sue Bird also chipped in with 17 points five Five rebounds, four assists, and Brianna Stewart had her first career double-double with 14 points and 13 rebounds, showing off her versatility. The Storm had four players in double figures, along with Lloyd's 30 and Stewie's 14, Bird's 17. Also joining them was Crystal Langhorn, who had 11.7 rebounds. But this brings up a really good point. We beat Phoenix, a team picked by the general managers and owners to be the WNBA champion. So the big question becomes, which is more of a surprise? The start that Atlanta has had, surprising everyone with being essentially the second best team in the WNBA record-wise, or is the start Phoenix has had with the second worst record so far? So Jeff, what's your take on that? Which one of those two teams has had a more surprising start? So this is a really tough one for me because I picked Phoenix, I think, as either the second best team or the third best team in the league. And I had Atlanta at the second worst, uh, just ahead of San Antonio. But I think I'd probably lean towards Phoenix as the bigger surprise because they have Diana Taurasi back, Brittany Griner, obviously, Candace Dupree, Penny Taylor, Dewana Bonner. They have a stacked roster, all veteran players at this point, too. So it's really surprising to me that they would get off to this 0-4 start and then they finally won a game today. It comes down to Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner for why they are playing so poorly as a team. Uh, Taurasi, who's always been one of the most vicious competitors in all of basketball, great scorer. She's still scoring at a very high clip this year. Back had a whole season off last WNBA season, obviously played in Russia this last year. But she seems to have now gone to favoring the three-point shot to an alarming rate. She has attempted 70 shots this year, with 46 of them coming from beyond the arc, despite the fact she's only shooting 32.6% from three. Inside the arc, she's 11 for 24. So when you've got Tarasi, who is a shooting guard, who's been running point guard now for about three seasons, as your number one ball handler, your number one scoring option, and now she wants to just shoot threes, offense is stagnating outside that three-point arc. There's no ball movement. That's a huge problem. You're seeing it. They're losing a lot of close games. They haven't really had, except for one against Minnesota, anything that was outside of single digits. So her stagnating the offense is really hurting them. Making things worse is Brittany Griner is not getting rebounds. Griner's averaging a career-low 5.5 rebounds a game while picking up 4.3 fouls per contest. You've got essentially supposedly the best defensive player in the WNBA, especially in the post in Brittany Griner, and she is unable to deliver. She's also averaging about 12 points per game on the offensive end, not getting any help down low there. So Phoenix's offense is really stagnant as a result. 
They did finally pick up a win, but again, they're relying heavily on Tarasi making those three-pointers in this past game. I think Phoenix is going to figure it out, but potentially if they figure it out too late, you're in a situation where they might miss the playoffs just because it's the top eight teams this year instead of top four in each conference. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty fascinating to see where do they go from here on out, because there's so much time left in the season. I mean, we have 34 games. It's only, you know, most teams have only played four or five games right now. That's way too early to count any team out or to guarantee someone a playoff spot. The bigger surprise, honestly, is Atlanta. They gutted their roster essentially for a rebuild, but they don't seem to need a rebuild. They have three rookies on their roster, four players who are only in their second season. Their best players are still obviously Angel McCautry, and then you've got really no other huge names on that roster. Who would have expected them to be this good this early? I don't think anybody had them even projected as making the playoffs. They certainly seem on pace to do that. So that'll be something fascinating to watch as the weeks go on. You know, it's it's quite possible by the end of the season, Atlanta will be out of the playoffs, and Phoenix might be a you know top four seed or so. But another point this brings up, you've got these two teams, one stacked with talent and one that doesn't have any name recognition, and they're both you know at opposite ends of the spectrum at the moment. Is it time to have the league seriously consider expanding? I, I feel it is. What do you think, Jeff? The talent has always been so deep in this league. I know whenever we interview Coach Busek, she talks about that, that every team up and down the league is just extremely talented, very, you know, full of depth. You know, you can look at just the Seattle Storms roster, Abby Bishop, who is a MVP of the Australian Basketball League, and she rarely even gets playing time with the Storm, and that just kind of goes to show how deep the rosters are in the league. So with that, that brings us to the home opener, which was in front of an announced sellout crowd of 9,686 to celebrate the debut at Key Arena of Brianna Stewart and the return, of course, of Jewel Lloyd and Sue Bird to their home court. But there was a surprising star in that contest against Minnesota, a game that featured six members of Team USA. And I will throw it over to Jeff to recap what the Storm did that night. Yeah, so as Colin mentioned, you know, you have six Olympic members between both squads on the floor that night, but it was actually Alicia Clark for the Seattle Storm who had a career-high night with 20 points, and she also added seven rebounds. She, she's so efficient from the floor. Brianna Stewart for a second consecutive game at 14 points and 13 rebounds, you know, proven she's going to be a double-double machine in the WNBA. And Jewel Lloyd kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, she had 14 points, four rebounds, and then Sue Bird, she was pretty even with Lindsey Whalen. She had 12 points, nine assists, and four rebounds in that game. Over on the Minnesota side, Whalen had 14 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. The main thing with both these teams is how many players are scoring in double figures. This is league-wide. The Storm had 4 players in double figures for the second straight game. Minnesota, all 5 starters hit double figures. Simone Augustus had 11. Sylvia Fowles, pretty much unstoppable, except against maybe 2 players in the league, had 15 points, 8 rebounds. Rebecca Brunson had 12 points and 7 rebounds. And Maya Moore was Maya Moore, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks. It just came down to the experience of Minnesota essentially winning out over the inexperience of Seattle. And Seattle played really well in that game, actually. They were playing them tight the entire game. It wasn't until Lindsey Whalen had hit a three-pointer with about two minutes left in the game that it kind of put it out of reach. You know, and that's going to be a tough game for them to win so early in the season against such a veteran team, the defending WNBA champions, uh, a team that's won three out of the past five championships. 
Um, they are the standard bearer, and uh, so that was a you know a good barometer for this young storm squad. Another thing that really stood out was the third quarter. Both teams only scored two points each seven minutes into that quarter, which was really a bit disappointing for the storm because I mean if you're playing that well a defense to limit a team as good as Minnesota to just two points for the majority of that third quarter, but not be able to take that lead. And I asked Jenny Busek about that after the game. It's not frustrating. That's the best team in, in the world. So for us to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, you know, it says a lot. They, 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 are, they have been a dynasty for five years. They are the cream of the crop in our league. They've been together a long time. They know how to win together, and they're loaded with you know, amazing players. So they've got every year, the last five years, they've pretty much had the best defense and the best offense. So, you know, that's where we strive to get to. Um, but that's the team that is, our, is the measuring stick in our league. The reason why the game winds up going to Minnesota, Minnesota had only 11 turnovers, Seattle had 15. Minnesota had 38 rebounds to Seattle's 34. Seattle actually shot a higher percentage from the floor than Minnesota, but they made two fewer shots overall. They made three more threes, however, than Minnesota, so that did sort of offset it. However, Minnesota then shot 15 for 16 from the line. Seattle got to the line for 11 attempts, 9 for 11, a very good percentage. But when you've just got those little things like that, it'll just set the team apart and make it out of reach, which is what happened. Uh, it was really exciting being there, however. Again, a sellout crowd on opening night. We hope to see a lot more of that. It was incredible. It really felt the way it used to around 04, 05 and 2010-2011 where it was just rocking so loud the fans passion was there yeah there was a lot of energy in that building that night and um, that's just we got to see more of that it's you know obviously since the home opener there's a lot going on memorial day weekend different you know festivals and stuff in the area but we hope to see a lot more fans out there because the, the team is exciting they're young they're gonna make some mistakes but if they are in a very exciting team to watch recapping Thursday night's game between the Seattle Storm and the Washington Mystics. After they had rallied big, the Storm unfortunately went down 16 points at one point in that game. Started making a little bit of a run, but it was still a 12-point deficit heading into the fourth quarter. However, they were able to rally. They outscored the Mystics 22-10 in that fourth quarter. Sue Bird hit Jewel Lloyd with a perfect pass and down in the paint. Lloyd got the layup and sent that game into overtime. Highlights for the Mystics, uh, Emma Mieseman had 19 18 points, 13 rebounds, 3 block shots. Taylor Hill had 18 points, 5 rebounds, and Ivory Lada, in her first game back, had 16 points in only 21 minutes on 5 of 8 field goal shooting, including 3 of 4 from 3 point range, which also included a heartbreaking buzzer beater in overtime to nail a 3 to put them up for good. This was Brianna Stewart's best game of her career so far. Uh, she had 25 points, 7 rebounds, 4 steals, and 4 block shots. She really did it all. Uh, showing her ver versatility and I also had a chance to talk to Brianna Stewart about what it was like playing against her former teammates and Bria Hartley and setting a career high against Stephanie Dolson. Anytime I go to play players that I've played with in college it's always cool. You know for Steph and Bria uh, I played two years with them at UConn we did great things there and, and you know I know that they're gonna continue to do great things at this level. Was there any trash talking going on out no. there? <laughs> no there was no trash talking going on. 
Crystal Lanehorn added 10 points, 6 rebounds, and Alicia Clark also had 10 points and 5 rebounds. This was a heartbreaker. It went down to the wire in overtime. At the very end, Sue Bird was falling out of bounds. He tried to call timeout in midair, and they wouldn't grant it to her. And I asked her about that after the game. We had a moment like we were staring at each other, uh, me and the ref. And he was like, out of bounds. But I, I, I mean, I had it. I called timeout, but I think there was a rule where you can't be, you can't be falling out. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. I don't know what I mean. I guess I could have flung it. I don't know what I could have done. There's only like six seconds. Anyways, whatever. Next, I'm going to hand it off to Colin as he recaps the game against Connecticut. So against Connecticut, finally, the Storm managed to secure a home victory, winning 93-81 over the Sun, a team that features, of course, former Seattle Storm power forward Camille Little. Former Storm player Shakina Strickland was not with the team. I am unable to find out why as of now. In that game, though, the Storm showed a much improved resilience. They built a huge lead early. They went on a gigantic run at one point of 21-2. However, Connecticut responded, chipped that lead, all the way back down, put it within striking distance. Thankfully, this time, unlike against Washington, they responded, they held their own, and held on to seal the victory. After the game, I asked Sue Bird about the team's resilience. I think we're a team that still has a lot to learn, but if we can uh, you know, pick something up with each day, with each game, it'll, it'll you know, help us for the next one. You know, So today, it was great. We got off to a better start than we did the other night, um, got a, a big lead, but then we let them back in. So that's going to be the lesson for this one, for sure. The standouts for the game for Connecticut were the 17 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists of Jasmine Thomas along with 14 points, 3 rebounds from Kelsey Bone, 10 points, 2 boards from Jonquil Jones in only 10 minutes, and 10 points and 2 rebounds from Morgan Tuck. Seattle was paced by another incredible game from Jewel Lloyd, who had 26 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals. Sue Bird had 14 points, 5 assists. Crystal Langhorn had the best game of the season, and quite possibly for a couple of seasons from her. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals on 8 for 8 shooting, including a 3-pointer as the shot clock expired near the end of the game. So I spoke to Crystal Langhorn after the game to get her take on her performance. Um, I'm just coming in with the mentality to kind of just uh, fill the void of whatever is needed. And um, we know like people are going to be loading up on Stewie and Jewel every night, and I'm just trying to do my part. One final thing of note, and it's something that's been ongoing all season, is the lack of production from the bench, and a big part of that has come down to minutes that they are getting to play. I spoke to Jenny Busick about that. Yeah, I mean, we hope. We hope to have playmakers at every spot on the floor um, with the type of team that we have and and that they play in such a way where, you know, they create for each other. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Stewie is going to be more sacrificial, which she was tonight, uh, where she was cutting all over the place and, and opening things up, but they weren't giving her really much. But for her to just be a good teammate and just continue to, to move with us, um, it opens up other people, and we, we need other people to make uh, them pay when they do that. And we have players, a lot of players on our team that, that can do that. We, we don't want to have a team that they can not guard anybody. Um, so I thought that was a good sign tonight. I still think we have a lot more firepower than what we showed tonight on our bench. Um, and so we'd like to get our bench going more and give them opportunities and let them get some confidence and show what they can do because we've got some really good players on our bench. And next up, we're going to start a new segment that will continue on throughout this WNBA season called Rookie Watch.
obviously for us in Seattle. We have Brianna Stewart, so we're obviously keeping an eye on her, seeing how she does and how she plays this season. But we also want to take a look at some of these other players that got drafted this year. Obviously, we'll start with Brianna Stewart. She is topping our list of rookies. She's got 17.4 points per games right now. She's averaging almost nine rebounds at 8.8 .8 per game, 2.4 assists, two blocks, and 1.6 steals. It should also be noted that she is playing by far the most minutes of any rookie. On average, 36 out of the 40 minutes, which is significantly more than all the other rookies this season. So next up on the list is Tiffany Mitchell. If you listen to our previous podcast, you'll know that I had talked about how I was really shocked that she fell all the way to ninth. And right now, it looks like she's proven those doubters wrong. She is definitely averaging the next most points next to Brianna Stewart. She's averaging 14 points a game, two rebounds, a little under two assists a game, and 2.2 steals. And that's in only 25 minutes. So she's definitely playing significantly less than Brianna Stewart. Obviously, a lot of people are interested to see how Mariah Jefferson is doing down in San Antonio with the Stars. She's playing pretty decent right now. She's averaging 6.3 points a game. Uh, the 4.3 assists in only 26 minutes is really good and the 1.3 steals as well. It'll be interesting to see if she picks that up a little bit more as the season goes on. But I think those stats, you know, they're modest, but they're probably about right where, you know, a lot of people would think she would be for her rookie season. A couple more on the list. We have Morgan Tuck, also out of Connecticut, and playing for Connecticut. 5.2 points per game, two rebounds a game, but she's only logging in around 13, 14 minutes a game right now, so she's not getting as much playing time. Same with Jonquil Jones. She actually was really impressive in her game against Seattle. Um, but right now she's only averaging about 11 minutes a game. That's the center for Connecticut. And she's got five points and three rebounds and 1.4 blocks, but in only 11 minutes. So for 30 minutes a game, that's four and a half blocks. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, last on the list for tonight is Rachel Bannum. Right now she's not getting a ton of playing time, about uh, 12, 13 minutes a game. And she's averaging 3.4 points a game with one rebound. Um, she's definitely a really good shooter, but we saw out there in the game against Seattle, she was making some mistakes, had a few costly turnovers, you know, and I think just getting adjusted to the WNBA. So that'll wrap up Rookie Watch so far. Obviously, Stewie's leading the way, but it's going to be really interesting to see how all these other rookies do throughout this WNBA season. And finally today, we have a special guest, a first-time Storm Season ticket holder, a longtime basketball fan, Joe Chong. We just wanted to get his take on becoming a season ticket holder and what it is that drew him to the WNBA and women's basketball. What is it that first got you going to Seattle Storm basketball games? It was out of the blue in 2012 when my friend threw the Sonics Arena cause. He asked me if I would like to go to a Storm game. And yeah, sure, why not? And I was thinking, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> What am I watching? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I wasn't expecting much, but then after the first game, I was actually really entertained. I liked how they went about their strategy and played much more team basketball than I've ever seen instead of just those flashy plays. I love them, but sometimes fundamental basketball is also good. Since then, I've, I've never really looked back, and as of 2016, I got to embrace the opportunity to be a season ticket holder. So you made the jump from attending a couple games here and there to becoming a season ticket holder this year. What really got you passionate enough to buy season tickets? Interestingly, it was a couple things. It was when I got to meet Alicia, our GM, through that fan press conference when I got to ask her the questions of rebuilding and everything. And just the way she was answering her questions, I was really excited about the atmosphere that I was getting the good vibes of. The icing on the cake was when UW women's basketball team they went on that crazy Final Four run, and that was 
and also the fact that I, it took a couple minutes to look at Brianna Stewart's highlights from UConn, and I was thinking, yep, I am going. I'm going to do season ticket, and let's do it. One other really cool thing here is you, in your second game as a season ticket holder, got asked to shoot a half-court shot. Man. Uh, so how was that experience, and what does it feel like to be the reigning half-court champion and Doppler's new best friend? <laughs> Doppler's best friend, yeah. Well, the moment that shot went, it was amazing. I, I was shocked myself because I was airballing most of it, and I, and I had one of them going maybe in and out. And the most terrifying part, or the funniest part, was even before that, I was thinking, man, I can do this while watching someone else do it. And then once I got the opportunity, opportunity i was thinking okay man i really gotta prove it prove it to myself and in front of thousands of fans or else i look like a fool and one final question what is it you are looking forward to most the rest of this particular season i would i'm just really excited about seeing the development of jewel lloyd and brianna stewart going forward i mean already just the few games i've watched i'm really excited to see her with her two-handed blocks and jewel jewel lloyd's kobe-like style play i think going forward i'm definitely looking forward to see how this team gels together whether we make the playoffs or not and if we if we do make the playoffs great that, that's great progress but if we don't you know we can just develop through that draft once again and take it to next year in the next few years and hopefully let's get that third championship thank you very much joe so that's the end of this podcast thanks for tuning in everyone again i've been colin davenport of todaysfastbreak.com jeff brown sonics rising and storm chasers we'll see you again later thanks guys